0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest Beatles News Brief. I'm your host, Steve Marinucci, and with me is the author of Beatleness and our contributing editor, Candy Leonard. Hello, Candy.
1: Hey, Steve. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine. This is kind of a special show because Wednesday the 30th is the 50th anniversary of the Beatles rooftop concert. And what we have in store, in addition to the news, which we're going to hold off till the end, is um, Is a couple of interview clips. One I did in 2011 with Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director of Let It Be, and another with Ken Mansfield, author of The Roof, who was on the roof that day. But before we get into those clips, uh, Candy and I uh, wanted to discuss the event and I wanted to get her thoughts on what she thinks about this whole thing and, and you know, put a little bit of historical and whatever significance on, on this. Um, Candy, what do you think about this? What do you think about the rooftop concert in general?
1: I'm in favor of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, there we go. That's a, that's a good start. Um,
1: well, it's hard to believe it's been 50 years. Um, I have a few thoughts about it. I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, we've all seen so many sort of clips of it, and YouTube, and, you know, different, um, we've seen it out of context, but it's interesting to remember that the first time we saw this was at the finale in Let It Be, in the movie, back Mm -hmm. back in May of 1970, so... I mean, I actually almost forgot that, like that's where I first saw it. Like I had to think back about it because it's been like so many of their things, you know, recontextualized and we see it in all different places. But yeah, so, you know, when we first saw it, we it was the Beatles had, it was spring of 1970. The Beatles had just broken up. The McCartney album had just come out. So it was a really kind of, um, you know, poignant time for Beatle fans. And I think that um, you know, let it, the film was kind. You know, in the knowing that they had broken up, I think that we saw a lot of the, you know, we it was kind of a Rorschach test in a way, but like by today's standards, I suppose. But we saw, you know, the the discord, and we saw that maybe they didn't look so happy, and and of course Yoko and people didn't quite know what to make of that, but that. The scene that we're focusing on today, the rooftop, was really a kind of really grand finale in the, you know, capital G, capital F, um, you know, it was the fr- last time they played in public. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back to this notion, you know, John's, um, you know, his, his uh, inspirational phrase about, you know, topper, uh, topper most of the poppermost. I mean, there they were on the roof. You can't get more topper than that. And there's something, I think, really sort of the metaphor of them being ascendant in that way as their final performance. There's something very, um, dare I say, almost spiritual about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, which, uh, some of the context around that is what the clip uh, with Michael Lindsay Hogg, um, which will be the f- uh, first clip um, he addresses. But it, it, at the same time, you know uh, uh, what's really kind of interesting is that they were getting back to the people. Yes. Yeah. You know, because they were, could, because they were playing on a roof. This was not a formal concert. This was not Candlestick Park. This was not, you know, Dodger Stadium or you know many of the other places they played. This was a, a roof where anybody that was in the vicinity vicinity could have, you know, come around and heard. Right. And, and, and and a lot of people, a lot of people did from which we could saw which we saw in the Let It Be movie.
1: Right, they created a happening. Right, what they it, did it, it in did, you did. know in sixties parlance. So what we might one of the people I one of the fans I interviewed for Beatleness referred to it as saw it as kind of like a flash mob. You know ah, that, yeah, that that's, that's a great know, description. Yeah, you hear the music, you don't, I mean, imagine, you know, City Street, and you know, you work in that area, and you hear this, of course, you know, everybody knew who it was, because they knew that they were, you know, had offices there. And people just, you know, I mean, if you look at, you know, how people were looking up, and it's really, I love, I was, you know, looking at it yesterday, and the the clothing that the secretary you know the women who are like on their lunch break and the men in their suits and it was just really it was it was really like for the people I mean and I mean I don't, I don't think I mean I think what I understand is how it came about was because they wanted to play live and the logistics of playing live had gotten so difficult they couldn't identify an appropriate you know a venue that would work so they thought well why not just do it there and you know i i I wonder if they thought about like what would happen or would people try to come up or or whatever it was real it's it's very interesting i mean it's really you know the the way that they disrupted that sort of you know very stuffy sort of neighborhood there is kind of a metaphor really for the disruption that they caused in general in straight society right and then right. the appointment, you know, that they're up there on the roof. I mean, you, you know, like up at the top and I don't know, it's a very interesting uh, piece of piece of footage, you know, the, the um, yeah, I mean, they, they brought people together, you know, all these sort of straight business people and secretaries and old men in bowler hats and the bobbies in their hats. And, um, it was really very interesting. And the, I guess one of the, uh, you know, the idea that the police came to break it up. But um, they really kind of, I guess what you can see and also what, you know, we've since heard is that the police, you know, they kind of got into it too in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that they were sort of, I mean, you know, t- to stumble upon that at lunchtime, I mean, and, and, to then, and for the cops to then have to sort of go and address it. I mean, it must have been quite a thrill for the people who were there, um, but I wanted to talk about the the chemistry between the four of them too, which I thought was very interesting. Um, again, all this talk about division and you know rifts and Yoko being disruptive and all this, but if you look at the chemistry and the eye contact between John and Paul, it really is quite. Beautiful, you know, they they're having fun doing what they love to do, which is to play music together. Right, and and, and, it, it,
2: it and, it,
0: and yeah, and if, uh, you know, of all the places to do it, they're—I mean, here's the biggest band in the world playing on a playing on a freaking roof. I mean. You know, uh, even the Rolling Stones. Well, I should say the Rolling Stones did one thing that I can recall comes close to that. Is when they did the little surprise thing on the back of the pickup truck that that went through. I think it went through Times Square. Um, But I mean, this was. This was a whole concert. I mean, that was just a kind of a very quickie little thing that the Stones did. This was this was a whole, you know, several songs that the right. Beatles did and it was planned. But yeah, it you know, it it's an amazing it's an amazing event and the other thing too is that what people need to remember is Let It Be was originally planned as a TV show. So this is this was supposed to be the the climax of a tv show, and they and the fact they you know they left it in the movie seems a a bit odd but it's it's the thing that everybody points to about that movie now
1: it it served really the same purpose in the in the film in other words it is the climax and and you know and again when we saw it it, you know we saw this in may of 1970 so really over like 15 months after it was filmed and so so much had happened since you know abbey road hadn't happened yet uh neither paul and john hadn't gotten married yet and it it was it was you know the time the disruption of the timeline even to this day kind of makes it confusing at at times but um it it really serves as a real monument i think to um you know to their greatness i I, a couple of things i noticed about it too i but Mm -hmm. Paul looks better now than he did in that clip, I think.
0: I thought George actually looked pretty good of all the four of them. But I think if anybody looked good, it was George.
1: Uh, Yeah, George definitely looked good. Well, I think that was George's best period, actually. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, Paul looked overweight. He looked, I would say he looked, I mean, they were all having fun. But the, the way he was dressed kind of made him stand apart. And also that, that big full beard that he had um, I he, I don't think he looked so great the other interesting thing is, you know people talk about the rivalries between John and Paul all these years one of the things I've noticed and I don't know what its significance is uh, maybe somebody would want to opine on this but they they ne- you know they both had um, beards on and off mm-hmm. and beards are very much a symbol of masculinity you know they never both had a big, you know, full beard at the same time. And I think that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure why, but, um... I don't you're, know. Talking,
0: you're talking about during the Beatles. Just, not, yeah. late, not later.
1: Yeah. They, you know, they, they both had beards at different times, but never at the same time. But there's something about Paul's beard there, and his weight, and his choice of the suit. I don't know. It, it's like he was, in some sense, apart, but yet in terms of the music and the chemistry, he, they were all quite, you know, cohesive, but I don't know. I just thought his, his appearance was, there was something about it that seemed, um, I don't know. Can't quite put my finger on it. Okay. But right, um, right. yeah, I mean, it was just, it was wacky, you know, it was the Beatles,
0: you know? Okay. All right. Let's bring on the first clip of, and this is a, a, an old clip. Uh, I talked to, Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director of Let It Be in 2011 on the release of his book and we talked about a lot of things, not just The Rooftop, but here's Michael Lindsay Hogg talking about not only The Rooftop concert but Let It Be the film itself.
3: Um, talking about the, the, the movie on um, on DVD, um, uh, I interviewed Ron Fermanek who restored the movie and he said he made a great point that um, the film has a much more positive look in the restored version than the the grainy print that's been surf- that's been around for years and years. Um, is that closer to the original intention of the film to be a, a more positive film, or or did you know uh, was were you were you trying to make it what it was or what it what it's always appeared to be?
4: Well, I'll tell you what I think is that. Um, when the film first came out in 1970,
2: mm-hmm.
4: that's actually when the Beatles broke up. And the the fans, the audience were heartbroken and angry that the Beatles had broken up.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And so therefore, they thought the film was in some ways a kind of downer because that's the period it was documenting the Beatles. hmm but it was never intended to be an upper or a downer. It was just intended to be what it is. However, uh, the rooftop concert, which um, we decided to do because the, the, the it originally was going to be a television special. Then we couldn't agree on what the television special was going to be. Then it turned into a documentary because we were shooting footage which is going to be used as a teaser if Mm -hmm. there was a television special. And so then we decided to go up in the roof and do a concert. That's a very, very up experience because they didn't know it. We didn't know it. It's the last time they ever played together to any kind of audience. They were happy while they played. All the kind of sniping and, and, you know, uh, them getting on, on each other's nerves, that was all gone. They were really happy they rocked and they rolled like they had when they were teenagers so the movie has a has a very up ending now and then but what's happened between when it was first released and now which is i don't know 40 years later 40 years Mm -hmm. is um well two of them have died um, I mean John was murdered, and George died mm-hmm. and so we're, we we look at it in an entirely different way we We look at it with our own knowledge of the poignancy of what happened to them that um, they did break up, that they were these extraordinary guys and musicians who changed the world, but that forty years later we have an entirely different understanding of what was going on at the time than the audience to feel it with more what I'd like this the rooftop concert has always been fantastic. But I think we look at it as with much more what would I say, much more tenderness now at these young men trying to figure out what was the next step for them, like, you know, Paul wanted to do something play live, George just wanted to stay in the studio. And so I think there's much more true appreciation of them now. And what their struggles were when you see the movie now, than what it was like, you know, 40 years ago.
3: Does the um, does the picture uh, still have the graininess that the um, original release had?
4: Or does uh, the it... last time I saw it, no, it's we saw. Oh, you know, I don't know. Also, what. Version people have seen lately, because you know it hasn't been commercially available or available in anything except bootlegs, basically, for the right. x number of years. And so, if it's gray, it was never that grainy actually, because we shot it on 16 millimeter, and then we blew it up to 35, and and you know washed the print very carefully, so it wasn't really that grainy. Um, but now, thanks to n- new technology and color correction and things. Uh, the movie looks wonderful.
3: So when you went over the rooftop concert, I didn't really have a follow-up, but I, but I, I, I everybody always wants to know about the rooftop concert, and you kind of gave a little description about that. I mean, I've talked to Ken Mansfield who was there, and he, you know, he told me some stuff about that too. Um, I mean, when you, when the police came in, did you, you know was that? um i i believe you said that you had you had the um the cameras on the on the mirror so that you would catch the police coming in because you knew they were no, what
4: i we we thought this we didn't know what would happen we didn't know if if we would play and it would be wonderful we didn't know what the weather was going to be like mm-hmm. uh, we had a sense though because of the 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 building the businesses which are around in that area because you know the beatles were um very unusual occupants of a building in that part of London because it's usually a lot of high-end tailors, um, fancy businesses, respectable businesses mm-hmm. and suddenly you had all these crazy long-haired hippies walking in and out of their building in Savile Row. Mm-hmm. So we weren't sure what would happen but there was a chance that there would be complaints. Not that we wanted them but no one cared if that's happened because we thought this is all part of what we're going to learn when we do the rooftop is the day before we were going to shoot i had const- i had constructed in the corner of the uh, of the lobby the foyer in apple a two-way mirror mm-hmm. so i wasn't shooting into mirrors. it was actually a two-way mirror so i had put a camera behind it so that in case the police did come in as they did they would think, oh, there's just a mirror there in the corner of the of the room, camera behind it, so we could get them uh, pacing around because this would lead us up onto the roof. So it was, yes, sure. I was thinking ahead, might this happen? And then it did happen. And so they put very interesting shots. The police, you know, right. everyone's trying to everyone's trying to delay them. Oh yes, Mr. Policeman, thank you. Wait here for a second. Let me just go and get so and so. You know, then five minutes more elapsed. So we do five minutes more of music on the roof. And then Mal Evans comes down, and they talk to him. Oh, yes, all right, Mr. Policeman, let me think about that for a second. And so he got another five minutes on the roof, and then Mal takes him up, and then he, he the policeman says, you have to stop. You can do one more song, otherwise we're going to have to arrest you. Now, that was going to be a very big problem, because how are they going to arrest the Beatles? If it was right. one or two cops up there. They'd have had to get you know six cops. They'd have had to unplug the amps, and it would have been a sensational scandal Beatles right. arrested you know so they didn't really want to do it and also in those days the, the cops on the roof I mean that young cop I mean he's thrilled to be there he's up in the roof with the Beatles playing you know and what could be you know he's going to go home to his to his wife and his kids and say you never can guess where I was today right and so in, in one way they were going to arrest us if we didn't stop but in another way it was a great experience and in those days the English Police were not rough. They, they they never carried firearms. They didn't have to um, because even I think when um, uh, the death penalty was blocked in I think the only reason for it would be of killing a policeman in, in the course of his duty. So the uh, police were unarmed. Not that they went off the cops and stuff like that, but it was a, it was a kind of different time. And so the police were um, anyway. We thought the police might be involved, and that's why why I put up the mirror.
0: Well, that was Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director of Let It Be. There were some interesting things in there that really caught me. The way they had planned Let It Be, the way he said the movie was a lot more... The way it sh- I mean, if you see the movie the way it should be seen, without all the grainy prints, it has a different face on it than it does with the grainy prints. And, and the way they set up the police uh, shot and you know knowing that the that the um, police were kind of actually being used in the film which i thought was kind of which i thought was kind of funny um what do you think candy
1: i it was interesting to to hear his perspective he, he said something that really struck a chord with me um and I think I've said this before in some of our conversations recently about how you know? Looking at them now, you know, at, at the age I am now, and looking at them, like they look like you know, four, you know, young men finding their way in the world, you know, and and I, I think he used the word tenderness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I totally, I mean, I that's how I feel sometimes. Like I look at them with this feeling of, you know, one a sense of wonder, of course, and you know just appreciating the music and all that, but there's this, you know, them as, as people and the crazy life they lived and here they were. And it was almost all over. Although at that moment, it, you know, it was, as I said, it was 15 months before the breakup, but there's something, you know, you look at them and again, like I think he said something about um, looking at them with tenderness and I totally get that, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very sweet, and he said something about understanding their struggles. I think something like that, right? And I, and again, like I totally get that. I mean, they had the world at their feet in that scene, literally, you know, because they were at the topmost of their building there. But um, yeah, there was something. Um, it's, it's very poignant to look at it now. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I know, and uh, it hopefully, and it, and it's looking like. I mean, we're getting a little hints that it will be released again um i mean i uh, that story aside that paul is thinking about a a new cut of of let it be i sure as hell hope that they're not planning on not releasing the movie as it was
1: yeah i think that was a really big mistake to basically re-edit it to tell a different story. I, but you know, I, I mean, I think that for historical reasons, they should just leave it as it was. That said, and I know I'm going to be criticized for being anti-Paul, but you could imagine Paul wanting to kind of re-edit the whole thing to tell a different story. But I think well, that would be a mistake.
0: I here's my here's my feeling on this. They can they can re-edit the movie and make a director's cut. If they want to, as far as I'm concerned, as long as they put the original print out again, I think I think for historical reasons you have to do that. You can't.
1: I so think there should be the original and then the director's cut being the, for lack of a better phrase, sanitized version.
0: Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, and I think "sanitized" is the wrong word. Although, that's probably what you're going to be looking at. You know, I mean, look at what they did with Let It Be Naked. Which, I mean, is fine to a point. And as I was telling, as I and I think it's on the the my the topic the discussion with Ken Mansfield. Um, I to this day think instead of Let It Be Naked, they should have put out the original Get Back album. I think that was a big mistake not to do that. Number one, I think it sounds just as good, um, and they could have. Had, technically you know um fix the tape you know uh, remastered the tape um like they did with let it be naked the the thing about let it be naked is it sounds great they did great work with the sound on that thing Mm -hmm. um and they could have i think they could have done it with get back and
1: eventually do that you know i mean there's so many things that they could still you know so many products that they could put out still um, right
0: and and that gets around to the fact that they are they are getting more and more comfortable with their marketing and they are more like i mean look at the if you go through the beatles um store the official store the wide array of Beatle products is getting wider well, and wider and crazier every year.
1: And having, and in a way having, you know, moving further away from the music and really marketing them as a brand, you know, as a, and I think the visual is a big piece of it. And again, that gets back to the, you know, the various artwork, the, you know, the pictures of them as these, icon, you know, as icon. But yeah, I mean, Wait, but, but I mean, look at
0: yeah, look okay. at the way they've embraced the cartoon images, but exactly. not the cart not the cartoons themselves. Right. That's that's really that's really telling right there. If you ask well,
1: what me, what comes to mind is the uh, you know like the Warhol images of Elvis or or Marilyn. You know, like just the, the pure visual fact of you know reality of them in those you know frozen in time. Um, you know, still young men. I mean, you know, and so I think that, yes, there are all those products in the store. But, and you know, what is like socks, clothing, house, you know, home decor. I mean, like, you name it. And I think that's going to continue, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I do, too. Let's get into Ken Mansfield. This is Ken Mansfield, who was liaison between the U.S. and the U.K. for Apple Records. This was recorded... Uh, late last year um, because of the release of his book The Roof which uh, is available on Amazon in print form and in uh, digital so uh, and there will be links by the way for that uh, in our uh, that's what I want Beatles store on Facebook anyway uh, here goes Ken Mansfield let's, okay, uh, let's talk, yeah. about, talk about the rooftop concert and how crazy that day okay. was I had uh, a couple of years ago I talked to Michael Lindsey Hogg and he told me about you know, the whole thing with the police and everything I mean, what was it what do you
5: remember about that? Uh, I think they, uh to me in retrospect uh, they made a much bigger deal out of that than, uh, and everybody that reports that cause to me, because when I'm on the roof, I'm not seeing what's coming in downstairs or what's happening down mm-hmm. there other than the pictures I've seen of Mal going down and dealing with them, but it sounded to me Or felt like to me that the police came. They came partly out of duty and partly because of the complaints of the 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 stodgy people next door and down the street and stuff. And they were excited when they found out it was, and they got to be a part of this. So they totally cooperated with Mal. And I think I said in the book too. Sometimes I forget, but I think Neil would have been down there. It might have been a whole different story because Neil was a little bit more caustic and a little more harder edge. But Mal just made friends with him and so they worked with him they came up i mean uh there was a time that they allowed it to go so that you know things needed to be accomplished up there and they were in sync with okay now we can shut it now now we'll shut it down right but we'll wait until this is done or, or whatever uh it was never that dramatic to me i made it even more dramatic in a way just by input of it, by other people when i wrote about in the book because there were other observations on that, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I I wasn't watching that as much other than just seeing uh, Mal's guy, the guy come up, Mal brought him up, and he's standing there with Mal, and, and it's like they're talking, you know, like, okay, now, or, <laughs> or whatever. So, it didn't seem that dramatic to me. Did Michael, was it dramatic? Did he think it was dramatic, or...
0: I mean, he, he talked about you know, uh, I guess photographing it from his you know from his standpoint, photographing it. Yeah. It came across. It certainly comes across as somewhat dramatic in the movie, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but where you well were- look
5: at it when you when when you look at pictures or even in the film, do you see? A lot, of, a lot going on with the police, or
0: not a not not a, not a ton. I mean, but they do. It's it's interesting that they show up, you know, and and uh, yeah. But they're down. They are well. I actually, I take that back. They are down in the street directing traffic. So, or yeah. you know, so yeah. There is there is a little bit of, of interaction there with them, you know.
5: I think the drama was down there and getting into the building. And by the time it got up, I'm guessing now, but by the time it got up to the roof, then I think it had gotten a little bit more organized between Mal and, and the police and and well, what was going down. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I, I can't speak for the street other than I've heard. I just know it was a madhouse down there from one of the guys that came in during the thing. And he said it was just amazing down there. He said he came around the corner on his way to the office at Apple, and he said it was like a wall of sound. He said, "Man, it just hit you in the face." You know, they were playing. They were
0: playing that loud.
5: Yeah, he said. He said, he said that's a word he used. It was like a wall of sound. I turned the corner and bam! You know? mm.
0: <laughs> did everybody? I mean, it, it, this may sound like a dumb question, but did everybody know who it was? Was everybody's, You know, did everybody recognize that it was them?
5: pretty much the impression i got is people didn't know what was going on but they knew who it was okay. and they were looking and they were looking up there because you couldn't see anything from the street right you know if you've been on Road or not but mm-hmm. you can't see anything up there when you look from the street up you know mm-hmm. so the only people who could really see it were the people who are on the other tall buildings and windows and on ledges and stuff like that could really see but uh, my understanding is everybody knew who it was really quick you know and of course as soon as one person knew it was, they go, "Well, it's the Beatles! Oh, it's the Beatles!" And they just pass it around, you know, up and down the street.
0: Right. Was it? I I assume it was very loud for you up on the roof.
5: I don't remember it being very loud. Really? I really don't. Because now I'm trying to think where the music was projected. I think probably like being on stage. That's interesting. I never thought about this, uh, Steve. <laughs> My impression would be it'd be like standing on a stage with a band. I used to stand like on amps with Waylon and stuff, and the music being projected away, away from f- me, right? Okay. And maybe that's what it, maybe that's what it was up there. That now that's interesting. I have never even thought about that. But no, I don't remember it being loud up there that loud. Who
0: you, who were you standing with? Who who was standing near you during the during that?
5: Well. Kevin Kevin uh, Har- uh, Harrington and I were standing together over uh, right right in line with the with the band. There's that <laughs> picture on my cover. And we were like three feet away from George. I mean, there was a small space up there. It wasn't a very big space. And uh, as I wrote in the book, you know I was, I was a little embarrassed that it was, it was so nonchalant about being up there, and him and I are chatting while it was going on, but uh, it was uh, it was just another day. It really wasn't a way another day. There was so much exciting and so many different things, so many crazy things happening all the time. That some of the people that, that could have come up on the roof didn't even come up because it was just another thing, you know. Hmm. And so, uh, and then uh, I sat with um, I can't remember if I if I sat down with Yoko and Maureen and Chris. How I can't remember quite how we assembled on the bench there together. Um, hmm. And then I can't remember if I got up. I remember I helped with a chair. I can't remember. But I was basically at two places, standing there where Kevin was standing just leaning against the wall, and then sitting on the uh, bench with, or chairs with uh, Yoko, Marine, and Chris. That's funny. Has, has all the,
0: uh, I don't know if you've heard all the, the bootlegs of the rooftop, but has everything on the rooftop been. I mean, is there uh, how long was the how long was the concert? I guess that's the question. Is, you know
6: that
5: forty it was 40, 42 minutes. So and, uh, they had pre they had pre recorded some of the stuff downstairs, not pre recording as meaning to pre record, but had recorded some of the stuff downstairs, mm-hmm. and then they used used some of the live stuff. I think pretty in, uh, intact from up on the roof. Some pretty live stuff there. Uh, I know uh, when you think about how cold it was up there and how they hadn't been really playing together for a while and stuff like that, it's really a good, uh, just a good rough, you know, the rough tapes on that are really good to listen to. They, They did really good.
0: I was going to ask you how cold it was, because everybody remembers, you know, uh, the, the coat, that I guess, uh, the, the fur coat that John was wearing, I, you know, I mean, that was a, yeah. um, how cold was it that day?
5: I think it was in the 40s, I Ooh. think with the wind, uh, I think it was 47 or something there, that morning maybe it was 47, it may have warmed up a little bit, but we had a, we did have a breeze there, and, uh, you know, John was really, was really bothering John, he was really cold, and. And George, I've never seen it on any of the film, but uh, he had me light some cigarettes and hold them between my fingers. So he would go over and put his tips of his fingers up close to the coals because they were so cold and he couldn't feel the strings. And when you take all these things into consideration that they played as good as they did up there, it's, it's pretty amazing. But I think they start having a good time Uh you can tell by some of the banter and just kind of the looseness of things. I think they really, maybe it was a little bit of a cavern up on that roof that day, you know,
4: just
2: mm-hmm.
5: jamming away.
0: That was Ken Mansfield. Candy, what would you think of that?
1: Well, again, it's very interesting to hear the perspective of somebody who was right there and involved in the uh, in this event, in this happening, happening. And so, yeah, it was interesting. Um Yeah. Well, I like, I thought it was interesting what he said about fancying it as a downer. Um, Of course, because the Beatles had just broken up. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very vivid memory of um, standing on a bus stop with my friend going to see that in May of 1970, going to the movies and we were waiting for the bus. And of course, by that, you know, it was like, here comes the bus, you know, and, and, um, but of course in that movie that, here comes the, you know here comes the sun didn't exist yet but it was it was a very big deal when that movie came out because oh yeah um you know we had heard you know like the, you know Paul, the big uh, press release was in april and then you know and then uh, paul's album had come out so it was really like um it was a very big event in the lives of Beatle fans and um but yes i think it was kind of seen as a downer but that last scene of course was as i said earlier you know it was just the grandest of all grand finales and the thing with the cops is interesting too like the the sense that the cops were breaking it up which sort of fits the 60s narrative of like the man coming and like you know right used to cool it but in fact it, that really i guess wasn't really it they kind of got into it as well so yeah it's very interesting i mean my takeaway from all of this, really, is that I think they passed the audition. <laughs> very, very good. Thinking about those, those, you know, the young buddies going home to their families and saying, I, I have to... Uh, I was called in for a, a disturbance on Savile Row, and guess what it was?
0: Right, know? turns out to, turns out to be the Beatles. Must have been something for them. And the whole thing about the man, and the, like you were talking about, and the whole thing about the '60s. Yeah, that was definitely part of it. But you know, wasn't underneath there it,
1: there one uh, recording of this where something about Loretta, you playing on the roof again, right? Right. That Paul. Paul says. Yeah. Paul,
0: Paul says that. Uh as he's singing that's, get back at the end. Uh, in right, fact, it's it's over the end of the movie. It's over right. the end of the movie. So
1: Right. Uh, so that also feeds that narrative of like, you know, the bad boys and you know, being and the man versus the man, you know. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's funny, I, I, I look at I hadn't you know, I was watching it last night and in, in anticipating us, you know, having this conversation and I mean, this might sound crazy, but like so much time has passed and I look at them and as I said earlier, they look so young to me. And and like there was this flash where it's like, they look like the cool boys I knew in high school, frozen in time.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I,
1: mean, I, I mean, so familiar, you know, every every right. every uh facial, you know, every little you know, everything. I mean, because we were we were so um you know th- their images their their look was so burned into our brains and and they, you know they still look so familiar in a way that is almost hard to describe
0: right right there's a uh, there are a couple of um, for those of you in the New York area and in the Seattle area there's a couple of recreations of the rooftop concert that I want to mention the first is actually on, the 30, on Wednesday the 30th at 1230 at the Staten Island Mall, the Blue Meanies will be doing the uh, Beatles rooftop concert um, on the parking garage, it says here. So, and thanks to um, Bob Gannon for passing that along. And also on February 1st, uh, Cream Tangerine, which has done this just about every year, um, but they're going to be doing a celebration of the 50th anniversary of the uh, rooftop Concert. They've done a rooftop thing every year for n- a number of years. And it's generally in the same place. This is at the Copacabana Pike Place in Pike Place Market. on Pike. Pl- it says Pike Place. That's the name of the street. Uh, starting at noon, the admission is free. And this is, by the way, on February 1st. And, it, and uh, you can see the concert from the front of the Copacabana Cafe Street level. So, there we go. And also, um, author David Bedford, our our friend David Bedford, is going to be on BBC Merseyside uh, Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. and on BBC TV Northwest uh, tonight tomorrow, if you can understand that. Northwest tonight. The program is called Northwest Tonight, and it'll be Wednesday night. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. Anyway, so there we go. I will be back with some news. And here are a couple of quick bits of Beatle news. Ringo Starr and his All-Star Band yesterday revealed additional tour dates for this year. the 30th anniversary of Ringo and the All-Star Band, who played their first show on July 23, 1989, at the Park Central Amphitheater in Dallas, Texas. The first leg began with one U.S. show at Harris Resort, Southern California, on March 21st, and then the band heads to Japan and launches in Fukua on March 27th and wraps up April 11th in Osaka. Um, the, they come back uh, to America on August 1st, 2019, resuming at Harris in Windsor, Ontario, and conclude September 1st at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, The All-Star Band features Steve Lukather, Colin Hay, Greg Raleigh, Warren Hamm, Greg Bissonnay, and the return of uh, Hamish Stewart. The current uh, tour dates cover the following cities, and more dates, we're told, will be announced soon. But here's the current cities. Like I said, Windsor, Ontario, Highland Park, Illinois, Durham, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Vienna, Virginia, Virginia, Roanoke, Virginia, Philadelphia, PA; Champaign, Illinois; Prior Lake, Minnesota; Council Bluffs, Iowa; Santa Fe, New Mexico; Phoenix, Arizona; Oakland, California; Lincoln, California; Paso Robles, California, and Los Angeles. He also announced that on July 7th he'll return to Capitol Records for his annual Peace and Love birthday event. The Mary Hopkin news: Mary re- uh, re-recorded. Those were the days last year to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the original recording in 1968. It's uh, been released on CD and digital download, and we posted a link for our Amazon.com on our That's When I uh, Want Beatles store page on Facebook. Mary and Jessica also, Jessica's her daughter, had a chat asking uh, talking about questions that uh, fans have posed. The first part is about the making of the song uh, Those Were the Days, which Jessica had never heard because Mary never played it for her, which is really interesting. Anyway, a link to the uh, discussion is on the Beals News and Information Facebook page, and also it's on Mary's website. Uh, Mary was also supposed uh, said to be surprised to hear that her song from Postcard, those uh, There's No Business Like Show Business, was used in the TV series The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel so congratulations Mary and a last minute ad- addition to the rooftop concert festivities Sirius XM's Breakfast with the Beatles hosted by Chris Carter will pay tribute to the concert on Wednesday with a special show with three hours of live performances by the Fabs and special guest lives, little Steven Van Zandt the show starts at 8am Eastern and 5am Pacific Time we have a few billboard chart positions from the issue of February 2nd, and let's start with the Billboard 200. 161 down from 143 is the White Album. 173 down from 155 is Abbey Road. 185 down from 164 is the Beatles' 1. On the Artist 100, at 65, the Beatles are at 65, down from 48 the previous week. Top album sales, number 50 down from 41 is the White Album. 76 down from 70 is Abbey Road. 97 down... From 37, after being at 88 the previous week, so it's up and down, up and down, is Egypt Station by Paul McCartney. Catalog catalog albums, 42 down from 40 is the White Album. 49 down from 48 is Abbey Road. Vinyl chart, 15 down from 11 is Abbey Road. Top rock albums, 31 down from 22 is the White Album. 35 down from 26 is Abbey Road. Thirty-eight down from thirty is the Beatles one. And of course, on this day in history on January thirtieth, nineteen sixty-nine, the Beatles performed the Apple Rooftop concert singing Don't Let Me Down, Dig a Pony, the one after nine oh nine, I've got a feeling. God save the queen and get back. All right. We are back after the news and we are this is time it's time to say goodbye. Candy? Thank you very much for, for being all through this. Was it, uh, did you, do you have any final thoughts before
1: we depart? Uh, no, it's, I think it's really interesting how Beatle fans are so into the anniversaries of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't have anything brilliant to say about that. I just that I, I, I think that's really interesting. And this is a big one. I mean, this was the last time they played in public and uh you know with it with it and uh anyway so i don't really have much else to say except you know buy my book no um (laughs) no go ahead and say that (laughs) go ahead and say that
0: and actually you should buy her book it's a it puts everything into a great perspective do you
1: talk about the rooftop concert in the book i do i do talk about it um in the context, again, it, because like again, we said earlier, like I actually had forgotten because we've seen it in so many other contexts over the years. I had forgotten that that's where we first saw it. So I discussed it in the context of the film and how they were, you know, this kind of the symbolism of them being ascendant in that way. And, you know, it was like it, with its almost quasi spiritual quality to it. Um mm-hmm. but yeah I did talk about that. Um you know the, the book goes through the entire we are talked about anniversaries. The book goes through all the big important you know, all the milestones, all the records, all the appearances, and you know, seen through the eyes of fans in, in and the book is it, it tells the story in the present. In other words the perceptions of fans we only knew what we were told we didn't know all the backstories that we now know and so it really puts you on that timeline experiencing them as the fans did um, during those six amazing years so um, anyway I didn't know we were going to get into all that but yeah no I I, uh, people seem to like it I still get emails regularly from people who are thanking me for telling the story, for documenting the experience of first-generation fans. And, uh, you know, in, in, I don't know, what, 30, 20 to 30 years, we may all be gone. So, you know, if anybody wants to know what it was like, you better find out now.
0: <laughs> that's, that's true. Interesting is how sentimental we've become about Beetle things. And, you know, it's not something we really cared about or the Beatles really cared about, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But all of a sudden, now we care about it a lot. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media. I mean, as you notice every day, there are postings about various beatle anniversaries mm. what they what they were recording on that particular day which is actually you know pretty significant but i mean even things that are non recording things non musical things we care you know yeah,
1: we, this was the day that you know well certainly all the life you know all the um, events in their lives you know the the marriages the divorces the breakups mm. the uh travel that they did but certainly you know the well of course the big one is when they met in you know at the uh church in liverpool Mm -hmm. you know that's like ground zero and and then you have you know all the events the you know the releases and all that but yeah i mean i think that fans first generation fans are i don't know if it's because we're getting older and maybe more sentimental about it Um, You know, it was a miraculous thing that we witnessed. And so it becomes like, oh, this was the day that happened. Of course, the last few years, we're into the 50th, we're into the half century. So right. So, you know, the rooftop, and of course, Abbey Road, we have the fiftieth later this year. so there is a there is that whether this will you know soon it's gonna be the sixtieth, will we still be following these anniversaries? I don't know it, it's it's a very interesting thing. Um,
0: that's a weird point and something I hadn't even thought about is whether we'll be still i I think somebody will you know, and I don't know whether they will to the extent that they are now, I think they're picking up on, you know, these 50th anniversary things a little late. I think they should have started sooner. But, um... I mean... Well, I think the Beatles should have... should have honored 50th anniversaries before this. Before the, I mean, the Sgt. Pepper box really kind of started that whole... the whole thing. I mean, for people who remember they did put out a 30th anniversary white album set that basically Mm -hmm. that just was a repackage. It -hmm. didn't have anything extra. And it, it, it did have it. The only thing it had was numbers and that was it, you know? So they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything special for the, for the 30th anniversary of the white album, but here comes the 50th and they go, they go, crazy they they,
1: they're probably realizing as they go like like they have this brand that is of you know like so much value and and cultural importance and they may be kind of you know they might have realized in in 2013 or 2012 hey we're going to start this timeline of 50th anniversaries but you're right there was no revolver Right. There was
0: nothing but be- nothing before Revolver. I mean, they missed all the fiftieth anniversary. Right. I mean, they've they put out they put out box sets. They put out the the U.S. album sets, um, both the the Capitol albums and the U.S. album box with all the you know the little with the remastered sound and stuff. And I
1: have a feeling that in future future generations who will certainly be listening to them and having their images around their homes as. Decor, I think that they may be less tuned into the timeline than we are um, because we lived it. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see. I mean, it, it, I would like it, you know, if you're a young fan and, and you'd like to comment on that. I'd love to hear. We'd love to hear your your thoughts because that that is an interesting thought that will younger fans you know really care about this stuff down the road. Uh, I think somebody will be. I think. I don't think they're going to let go of that. I, I think, uh, and I talk that I'm talking about, or they, I'm talking about the Beatles brain mm-hmm. trust. I don't think they I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to go away. I well, think to a to they, a certain extent,
1: the of money to be made, and they know that,
0: right? And because you have, you have Danny, you have Julian, you have Sean. You know, you have Mary. Uh, McCartney you have Stella you know there's a whole second generation
1: Stella just put out a whole line with their actual images
0: right Um, which is uh, which is amazing that's uh
1: I was surprised by that because it's it's you know she's all you know high fashion and pricey you know like like uh, it's it's interesting like well, did you know she might have just done it for a walk because they can, but I'm wondering who the market is for that in in her view. I don't know it's interesting. I was surprised to see it actually i I thought it was cool, but I was it surprised me. I thought it was funny that that she put out those clothes. I don't know yeah that, it's almost yeah. like an homage to her dad yeah, I don't know it, it's it's who knows you know these people can do whatever they want and it will be and somebody will buy it. <laughs>
0: That's the thing, especially if she does it, you know, uh, yeah, it'll definitely get bought. Anyway, um, thank you, Candy, for for being here and talking through this. And um, you can get our podcast on iTunes and Google Play and uh, Podbean and YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And please subscribe, and please send us mail to uh, Desk at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And thanks for listening. Uh, Candy, you want to say anything before I sign off?
1: Just um, have a wonderful
0: week. Okay. Thank you. and uh, I. Stay, I will stay
1: positive, and stay warm if you're in the vortex.
0: Yeah, and... Listen to listen to beetle music. There we go.
1: Absolutely. There's no side effects and there are no copays.
0: That's right. For Candy Leonard, this and this is Steve Marinucci for Beatle News Briefs saying
4: We seeing you.
6: that one. Market fab. Hello and welcome. This is Steve Marinucci, and we have a special add-on to our Beatles News Rooftop Anniversary Special because of the big announcement the Beatles made January 30th. They announced that a new film taken from the 55 hours of unreleased Let It Be footage will be directed by Peter Jackson. They did not give a release date for the film, but said it will be announced in the future. In the announcement, Jackson said, I was relieved to discover the reality is very different to the myth. After reviewing all the footage and audio that Michael Lindsay Hogg shot 18 months before they broke up, it's simply an amazing historical treasure trove. Sure, there's moments of drama, but none of the discord this project has long been associated with. Watching John, Paul, George, and Ringo work together creating now classic songs from scratch is not only fascinating it's funny and uplifting and surprisingly intimate i'm thrilled and honored to have been entrusted with this remarkable footage making the movie will be sheer joy which is an interesting uh, way to put it but it's it's i'm glad that they're finally doing something with that because it has deserved this What a few people will probably miss is the note at the bottom of the announcement that the original film will finally be re-released, which is something that I called for in the special. They had to do that, so I'm glad to see that. Ken Mansfield, who you'll remember from the show and was on the roof that day uh, 50 years ago, uh, told us today, it sounds like this is something myself and millions of others have been waiting for. Anyway, that's the news. Have a great day.